0: Today on Point01, Aaron Cohen's is down with Jonathan Pereira, Executive Director of Plant Chicago, a nonprofit organization that empowers people to live more sustainably through community driven, hands on programs and innovative research projects. Utilizing circular economy principles, they promote local circulation of materials, nutrients, knowledge, and money. Without further ado, here's Aaron and Jonathan.
1: Hello, everybody. I'm sitting here with Jonathan Pereira, who is the Executive Director of Plant Chicago, thanks for being with us today.
2: Sure, my pleasure.
1: Um, Jonathan, we had a lot of conversations about circular economy uh, over the course of the last month or so, uh, vis-a-vis the Point01 podcast. And I would love for you to talk about how you initially came to play in this part of the sustainability landscape. What is it about circular that drew you in and has now really become your life's work at the moment?
2: Uh, Personally, you know, I, uh, as many people, you know, have grown up being uh, highly aware and concerned about all things like environment and sustainability. Right. So for a long time, we talked about, I don't know how many years, decades at this point, sustainability before that it was kind of environmentalism and it's had different, uh names and things we've uh, attached to our concern for our ability to to live on this planet for a long long time um and then i think the concept of a circular economy which is a relatively new and broadly speaking um, uh attracted my attention really to think thinking about um make it forefronting economic concerns alongside of uh, environmental ones. It, it's very palatable for talking to individuals who maybe don't see the environment as a pressing concern um, and maybe constantly forefront economics in front uh, of, of the environment or have the false assumption that um, the economy can't grow when you're at the same time as protecting the environment and regenerating the environment, um, so it's a very attra- it became a very attractive term to think think about much more explicitly around economic terms.
1: Which of these constituencies were you most drawn to?
2: We get caught in this false dichotomy of jobs versus the environment, mm-hmm. um, or economy versus the environment. It's this uh, false narrative that's often pushed um, by some conservative sects, not everybody. Um, but there's, uh, there are people that will say, hey, well, oh, you don't want us to drill for oil. You're against jobs. And um, what that it's just sort of a superficial argument. Um, you know, it's, it's not that people are against jobs. They just want to promote the types of jobs that are going to protect and regenerate the environment instead of uh, constantly extract from it as well. Um, there's a separate issue there when you talk about income um, and and, and poverty and access there where um especially when we talk about circular economy um certain parts of the world they they were already doing it and they've been doing it by necessity for a long time uh if you go um to cuba or parts of india right you know people have been recapturing materials and keeping things in use for decades um, out of necessity because uh, maybe you can't afford or don't have access to something buying something new it's really only in the so-called really developed world and you know the u.s is uh, kind of a paradigm of this
1: how are businesses benefiting
2: we're just getting to the point where i think we're going to see that so this first year is um doing baseline work with with the businesses um so we just completed some audits uh of some of the businesses and we're aggregating some of that data plan chicago went through our own audit process as well of looking at our materials, but also um, our finances, like how much we're spending and where we're spending it. Um, and getting an idea of, of where the benefits are flowing, how, how much of materials are being diverted and identifying areas where, where more could be diverted. So I think the, the goal within that is to evaluate how much small businesses are doing or could be doing, um, how easy, or difficult it is. Um, I think there is small business. All businesses get stuck on this, but we get stuck on just looking at the the direct bottom line of like, hey, if I switch over from polystyrene to compostable, it's going to increase that expense line by twenty five percent, and I'm not, yeah. I can't afford that, right? But there are these other metrics in to be like, you could also reduce the amount of packaging that you use. And that, that line will not actually grow. Like you might switch over the materials and use less of it. Um, you can also economize, capitalize on the, the marketing around it that you are diverting these materials, right? There is ample evidence that many consumers and users of products, they're, they're looking at the packaging and what's happening and, and, and what sort of statement you're making with, with your product and your processes. So you could, in theory, increase your sales by... Switching over, right to to some of these practices.
1: So, so who are some of the members of this network, right? Like, what kinds of companies are they?
2: They're all food based right now, and that, uh, again, historically, that's who who we've been working with, partly because of our location, but also because I think there's uh, very straightforward opportunities there if your product is food that that is inherently something that can be returned back into the environment safely and should be, right, um, through composting. Um, But then there's all this packaging around it as well. And food businesses, all of have similar – they're using similar products and have more ability to kind of share best practices and, like, um, problem-solve together. So the other concept of this network and creating, like, a leadership network is that it's an opportunity for businesses to connect um, at a values level, knowing, like, hey, we're all working on this. I'm having this trouble with this. Has anyone else come up with like a solution for this? Like, who are you using as a packaging supplier? What do you do? Like we you know, the industry might say that you have to use a specific type of plastic in order for, to meet a health code, right? It's a problematic plastic. How do we actually make sure that gets recaptured and just doesn't end up in the landfill? So part of it is it's a value statement and bringing small businesses together and identifying who shares these values and wants to work on it to get, wants to work on these things together.
1: Uh, do you, are, there, are there other examples of this kind of organization, Plan Chicago, in other cities? Uh, and do you have a network of these kinds of NGOs?
2: Uh, there are, I think there's many different mission-aligned nonprofits, and that definitely values-aligned. I mean, just in Chicago alone, um, we think about a rebuilding exchange, which... Um, uh, so I'll say, I don't, I'm not aware of other nonprofits that have circular economy explicitly tied into their mission, like that phrase, but the way right. that they're operating and they you know, what they're doing is that, is the core circular economy practice. So like the rebuilding exchange, actively, um, diverting construction materials from the landfill and then reselling it. So there's an economic activity there, right? That's a nonprofit. Yeah, that, that's Although clearly
1: we, circular, irrespective of what they call themselves.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that they would recognize themselves as a, a circular business as well. Um, but it's that phrase isn't a part of their their mission statement, right? There are um, composters all over Chicago, right? People diverting food waste from, and that's an inherently not just a circular economy, uh, uh, a company, a process, but also like it's a hyper local one, right? There's very little economic incentive to ship compost. Across the country, um, I know it can happen. It goes in bags, but um, there are uh, <clears throat> there's the Wayshed, another one where you know there are um, uh, Chicago Creative Reuse Exchange, these nonprofits that are you know, like material warehouses for teachers to reuse things or artists, right, to, to reuse. So it's taking interesting things or things that might have some kind of value and getting it back out there. So there's definitely other organizations like that in Chicago and then in, and in the rest of the country too. Um, and then there's developments as well. People that are looking at uh, like um, co-location, right? There's folks in Oakland and new york that that deliberately or eco-industrial parks right um that look to like co-locate values aligned businesses together um and see what happens from from that co there's a lot of organic stuff that can happen uh, or you know movements and collaborations that can happen just from co-location
1: jonathan you know you have a environmental and sustainability you know background professionally and then you fuse that with this teaching educational background you've ended up in this position running um, plant chicago i'm i'm curious kind of what you see as the challenges over this next five-year period or 10-year period one of the things i noticed is there's seems like there's a number of people on your team who've been at plant chicago for quite a while right? By NGO standards, right? So there's, there's this obviously deep commitment when you guys are together talking about where you need to take this organization. What do you talk about? How do you think about the next several years?
2: Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, there's different things going on. There's, there's, there's conversations at different levels. So as a non Profit we have a board of directors um, And we have staff so there is kind of strategic thinking that happens at many different There's the big-picture strategic thinking that happens at the board level that's highly informed by by the staff on the ground um, There's the operational thinking um, I'd say as a as a st- and then there's volunteer other volunteers as well right our board of directors is volunteers and there's like we've got 150 other active volunteers that around and doing stuff so everybody is involved in um, In the, there, there's a voice there at many different levels um, as a staff though from an operation standpoint um, we meet frequently we talk about things we often discuss things um, we have uh, clearly articulated values in documented as well so is there's a constant um, Constant I'd say self-reflection and organizational reflection is like are we doing are we advancing circular economy principles and practices by by doing this right so you know examples of repurposing materials for another use um, thinking like oh, it's great, yeah let's take plastic bottles and turn them into planters or something like that but does that Where does that little planter end up you know if you take a school group and they do this stuff does it still end up in the trash so thinking about um every at every step like how how are we are we actually diverting materials from a landfill so we're actually we've implemented a process now where we're evaluating our own operations and measuring our waste and where it's coming from so from various different like from our office from from our market, our school programs, and making sure that we have a process for understanding how much we're producing and creating a baseline there right now. Um, I think I just went off track from the original question. It was- No, no, it was- you,
1: you, you, no you, you're not that far off track. I was more talking about, I'm interested in this idea. Of, so what you said was you filter as an organization for is this really going to, mandate a sort of circular economy behavior are are we really reinforcing the principles that we stand for as an organization so and, and when you think about that what i was curious about is when you think about that what's the you know what's the win for your broader community over the next couple of years so as a part of our
2: uh, you know capital project to redo this firehouse is is converting a nearby garage into a shared use indoor victory garden Um, really so individuals can learn how to grow indoors and providing the space and equipment for them to do that and also um, some technical support as well but then creating a community there uh, like a learning community so people can share um, kind of best practices of what they're doing. So actually, providing different systems, there is um, there's always a lot of interest for people in, in not just for plants, but also for things like fungi and mushrooms. Um, there's a a lot of people who are interested in DIY stuff, right? But you get you get waylaid because again, you're op- you feel like you're operating in a silo, right? Or right. you're
1: If it's not on YouTube, you have no chance of figuring it out on your own, right?
2: But even if it is on YouTube, you start doing it and you kind of lack the community. Like maybe you plug into an online forum, right? Um, And you can get in there. But in terms of starting it, oftentimes you got to invest money and capital. You got to have the space to do it. You have to have the time, right? Um, So giving people the space and the equipment first in order to kind of experiment with this stuff and then also providing a community where they can share and, and talk and discuss. Um, that That's important as well around uh, mycology. So actually constructing a lab, again, we used to have a lab where we could do some clean room stuff, um, but reconstructing that. Um, and then uh, from the small business side, I think really building out this network to make it uh, hit a critical mass. where there are enough businesses in there where there is that community of sharing and knowledge sharing as well. Um, we, by no means are we the people, the proprietors of all the all knowledge and experience, right? Uh, we have a very limited experience and life experience and work experience. Um, and each business comes with their own, an individual comes with their own set, set of experiences and knowledge that um, uh, can, can, can be shared. It shouldn't, shouldn't it can't come from from us right we don't know we don't know everything we don't the more we learn the more we know we don't know much <laughs>
1: right, right 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 um so when you when you think about the sort of growth of your organization and you think about you're having this kind of you have a very educationally focused approach and a very micro mean you can make an impact on individuals who learn how to garden to do indoor gardening as an example um how do we take the learnings of the plant chicago efforts because i saw you have an incredible volunteer Uh, you guys are doing it on a you know on a shoestring right? And you're getting a tremendous amount of free labor associated with you. You have a huge internship class.
2: uh, Mm -hmm. Numbers are somewhere close to doubles with interns. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. 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 So all that, how do you think, circular economy is a complex subject. Mm -hmm. It also requires a massive behavioral shift. I mean, Deep in the DNA of our society is consumption whenever you want, whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And things like Amazon have massively reinforced that, right? I mean, it's just the the just-in-time economy allows you to have anything you want, anytime and pretty inexpensively. And provided we don't close China off as a trading partner, you can just get almost anything you want for free. It, It stands at, it, it it's completely not the american way to circularize um and and yet you're making some progress and so i'm curious about how you think as an educator right like how do we scale the communication of these ideas yeah how do we how do we, how do we get people to ch- change their mindset
2: i i th- I, honest, I feel like it, it's, it's happening already in, in COVID and uh, um, reactions to um, current political, you know, the, our president is, are accelerating it. Um, I think instinctively many people have a, just a gut reaction to know that, like, we cannot continue business as usual um, in many different aspects. And I'm not just talking about the environment and materials. Um, we talk about equity as well, um, uh, you know racial injustice is that there are how do we put it? I think the at the beginning of your comment or your question was you 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 said um, how how American it is to consume right and there is there's an existential battle right now, I think playing itself. Um, implicitly in our political system around how how we consume Um, and thinking about there's a faction that kind of say we Americans should be able to consume what we want and not have to consider the negative outcomes of what we do because it's our right to be an individual to spend money how we want, create products how we want, and, you know, don't-
1: And wear masks if we want.
2: Exactly. It is the, it's a sector of our population which is unfortunately unfortunately being reinforced by our president that's saying, um, I do not have to consider your livelihood or your well-being, if it impedes on my quote-unquote freedom, they're mistaking freedom. They have a very, we have a very different definitions of what freedom is. Um, just think about talking about like banning smoking in bars, right? We used to talk about the freedom to smoke where you want to, forgetting, you know, like you know, be like all these other people who did not choose to smell to like inhale your smoke, right? But now we've gotten to a point where it's a part of our culture where if someone lights up a cigarette in a public spot, there's a gut, there's a reaction where, you know, most of the people are going to be on your side. You're like, hey, you can't smoke here, right? We have to get to the point where it's like, hey, you can't run a business that way. You cannot keep um, just extracting materials and um, having a, a majority of the wealth flow to the top to a few people and uh or extracting um uh materials or or labor or thought or knowledge from from low-income communities and not and not returning it back um so i think um we are at a point you know just that to me all of the protests that were sparked from from george floyd are connected to that it's a gut reaction we're like hold, you know what this this is no longer acceptable all of this is no longer acceptable we can't we can't operate with our heads in in the ground although you will see a lot of uh, particularly a lot of the the politicians i think that you know when they're asked about the latest tweet will say oh i wouldn't have put it that way or i didn't see it people are, are trying to ignore it um but um I think it, it comes down to like what, what, what are we talking about when we talk about freedom? Are we talking about the freedom to screw over your neighbor, <laughs> right? To um, amass as much wealth as you can just because you can, right? Or are we talking about the freedom to, to make sure that we have access to healthcare, to make a decent wage, to um, feel comfortable talking? To everyone and uh, know that we're not destroying the planet i mean I, I think it's just it's radically different versions of 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 freedom and and I think the more we have to, the more we drill down into to what it means to be free um the closer we'll, we'll get answers like our our culture is getting there I think where this the where this existential crisis we're going through now i think is is will get us there yeah
1: So what an optimistic what an what an optimistic (laughs) note to conclude on. There's definitely you're in that school of thought that you know the the George Floyd situation, um, the president's behavior has will create a kind of uh, a backlash to the backlash, which will allow um, us to break through in the sustainability movement. Uh, I, I think that's what you're saying. I hear you saying, hey, seatbelts, people used to not wear motorcycle helmets and seatbelts. People used to smoke in bars.
2: Mm-hmm. Governments
1: changed the rules and everybody's fine with it now. So that yeah. can happen on a circular basis as well or a minimum in a sustainability basis.
2: Yeah, I mean, businesses businesses adapt. I mean, I think it's just, it's uh, the worst thing for a business is uncertainty and, and the laws. right? Is like, how are we? What are we gonna do? Like you know, like many many of the car industry did, like was like, hey, wait, these regulations were in place for like increasing our gas mileage. That was great, and now now you're backtracking. We have to revise our models. Um, you know, it's just like having very clear guidance from the government what what is and is not allowed, and knowing that's not going to change all the time. I think it, that's good for business. Um, businesses adapt. Um, the solar industry, right? It's there's so many more people working in solar now than than oil, right? It's it's just like this. It, it, we talk about losing jobs in one sector, and then we ignore all the other jobs that are created somewhere else. We're not talking about bringing back the whale oil industry for lanterns, right? Or the beaver pelt industry. You know, like it's like the, those bit, those industries are are gone, and you know we don't need to bring them back. Um, so, I know that, that we get stuck on the individual outcome of the individual that loses their job um, because of an industry in decline. Um, and there's a whole set of challenges there is figuring out how you can get that individual employed again in a new sector. Um, but we have to acknowledge that certain industries do die. Um, that's and there's certain industries that we can't we can't keep around if we want to exist as human beings on this planet, you know.
1: Jonathan Pereira, you're not the first person to talk about how uh, the green economy is employing a ton of people. Okay. Um, and it is exciting and it needs to be celebrated and it's not talked about. Thank you right. so much for joining us today. It was, really, sure. it was really
0: interesting to hear your story and the plant Chicago story.
2: Cool. Thank you for having me.
0: If you want to stay up to date with Plant Chicago, you can find them online at plantchicago.org or on Twitter at Plant Chicago. The Point01 Podcast is presented by Therma, a smart refrigeration monitoring company. To follow along with Therma's clean cooling initiatives and Point01 content, you can find us on Twitter at HelloTherma and at Point01Podcast. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play or on the web at climate.hellotherma.com.